Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here podcast. How about that for a result uh, to digest? Yeah, we're gonna have to do that. We're gonna have to do that today. John and myself, Stephen Goldsmith, as always, is Gareth Barger. Evening. Good evening. It's been a while since we've had to pick the bones out of something like this, isn't it? Yeah, well. Bolton last season springs to mind. Makes it interesting, doesn't it, I guess? <laughs> That's one word for it. Well, I mean, if we, you know, we're not... If you're not getting, you're not. We're not getting relegated. We're not trying to get promoted. So, you know, it's something to talk about, isn't it? It is indeed. And joining us to talk about it is uh, Chris Weatherspoon as well. Evening. Hello. Good evening. How are you doing? Very well. Very well. Um, two two on the bounce for Chris. <laughs> yeah, it's becoming a habit, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm. Tr- I'm going to try break the cycle here. Because since I was, since I uh, made my comeback, we've uh, played three games, lost three. So. <laughs> but it's interesting because I know, like Gareth, always like you know, um, raises his eyebrows when we joke about things that jinx, jinx Sunderland's form in in, in the second half. Um, so like I, I go with like um, there's like four of us now in the group, and it will five because one of the lads takes his kid as well, and and we we sit in the same order, and in the in the second half, one of my mates like just. To, place himself elsewhere and he was like oh we're just gonna mix it up to see how it goes so oh, we won't be mixing that up again <laughs> <laughs> ever again because uh yeah we the once we try to mix it up um that happened in the second half so we'll uh look back at the match a little bit as well but then uh, just have a general conversation about um well, we think things are gone and uh, look at the bigger picture, maybe. Um, yeah. So I guess if, you know, we'll come on to it, but if the recruitment team get all the praise when we're winning games, then is it fair to criticise them when we're not winning games? How much of it is on Mowbray? How much is on the players? Well, have a look about, uh, have a look at that. Um, right. I mean, I don't want to, Dissect and go over like all of the stock goals. I can't say what could that we haven't, would... got, ta- we haven't got time. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. we got it's, an just, hour. it's 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 just uh, they were all defended terribly, weren't they? Every single goal. Very. There wasn't bad. there wasn't one where you like see, oh, that was just brilliant player. It was just no. Well, I um put myself through watching the extended highlights before coming on here because I think I don't hmm. I'd, I'd managed to already I don't know. Block it I mean out. that's commitment Chris I appreciate it um uh, yeah well it was just in case we did dissect every single goal so that was a waste <laughs> of time wasn't it yeah well um, you know us all <laughs> but no they um yeah they, that, that was the thing I mean like every single goal just wide open or a glaring systematic error or individual error I mean I I think um Look like uh, I said it in the, the the group chat during the game. Like I, I think the manager. I, I don't think it all goes on the manager. We'll obviously go on to onto that. But I think the manager got it quite badly wrong. Probably for the first time since he came in. Apart from maybe the Cardiff game. Yeah. I think that's that's the first time you can see he got it really badly wrong. I mean, ten minutes in, Dan Neil was look. Dan Neil didn't have a good game. That's probably the understatement of the century. But ten minutes in, he was looking isolated. But yeah. We basically like we had five attacking players on the pitch, and he gave him Mowbray didn't really give himself unless he wanted to make a substitute ten minutes in. He didn't really give himself any options to fix it. I mean, 
I know Pritchard scored our goal, but he might as well have not been on the pitch because he, he was just he was playing in a role where the ball he was never getting near the ball because we weren't getting on the ball. So there was no chance of getting him in advanced areas, but he was still stood in those areas. I mean, the first goal is a case in point. Like, I think, he, I, I want to say he's out of position, but I think he was actually told to play there. It, it, it was just a mess. And then, you know, like they they did, they completely fell to bits. And I think, I mean, I said to my dad, you know, I just said, you know, these are, this is the sort of result and performance that end seasons. And I think um, the hope is that because they are all quite young, that they find it a bit easier to put it out of mind. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. I mean, including Pritchard in that, in the, oh, the only reason I can think is experience because we're lacking so much in experience because I, I, I don't know. I'm a bit, I was a bit lost for words. Like, like you've just said, uh, as soon as the game started, thinking, well, I can't say we ever thought this would work and it's not working. I mean, Patrick Robertson sat on midfield is incredible, really. I mean, I feel like why did why did we do that? It, like, I just don't understand what what the logic behind that was. And um, you know, especially when we brought players in, we've got two, at least two centre midfielders on the bench there. Um, just seem it's just very strange. Um. I don't understand what we were trying to do. And I think looking at, you know, one thing you know about Alex Neal is whatever you think of him or whatever, he's very well prepared for every game. And he does a lot of work, as we know, on the opposition and the weaknesses and exploiting them. Now, he probably did his work and then went, oh, great. Like, it's got like he could probably couldn't have wished for for us to um for, for us to set up the way we did you know like you you probably would have, would never have expected it almost um we kind of weakened ourselves and the kind of you, you look at the way store played and you wonder well is it a case of they've matched us up and like we're saying you you know he prepares well for the games and generally does um look to exploit weaknesses you know did what kind of analysis did we do on Stoke that made us think that we, we if we set up like this, we'll be able to to win the game? Um, it didn't seem like it was a clear because Mowbray came out afterwards and, and and sort of said, "Oh, you would like to play against them this way," but uh, more or less said, "Gillard isn't the striker to do that." So you think, "Well, we'll do something else and try something yeah. else." Um, it's if... a really good point on Neil because I was worried about all oh, and and yeah, what for whatever reason it hasn't worked for him yet. At Stoke, it hasn't really worked out for me yet. But like you've just said, Gareth, one thing you can't accuse him of is not meticulously studying the opposition. And I think all Rotherham and Coventry did was just showed a, a blueprint of how to do it and bullied us a little bit. And there's no way that he wasn't going to take that on board and then probably even add some extra work. Well, he said, sure they got the did, result. You, did you see Neil, Neil's quotes after the game? He basically said he went... Without Corey Evans, we've got a pretty, pretty big gaping hole in the team. Like we, we don't have anyone else who can do that. And now, uh, don't really want to retread all ground with about about him leaving. But you have to think he he'll have been thinking that back in August, and we still haven't signed someone who who's really an ample backup for Evans. So I mean, it it, it was obviously it was. It was perfect for Neil in that respect. It was, it was in a way, it was a bit of a vindication for his decision because I think the striker thing is the obvious thing, and, it, and it's and it is a problem. But I think Saturday really laid bare how much how poor we are without Evans. I mean, we we talked about it before, but we, I mean, we didn't help ourselves. Like I've said, we didn't help ourselves. But Dan Neil there on his own. I think you said on the reaction pod on Saturday, Stephen, we've gone from Dan Neil not being deemed good enough to get in the team because of his defensive work to him being the only defensive midfielder, which is just very strange. But but even allowing for that, I mean, Neil and Mishu together, we've we've seen can't really do what Evans does. And I think it, it's one of them where, like, there's not a lot of nuance in football and, like, a lot of people will either jump on the recruitment or they'll jump on the manager. It's, it's both, really. I think the manager got it badly wrong, but I also think the manager's quite obvious now 
doing a job with one hand tied behind his back. Like he's missing, he hasn't got a striker. Let's be honest. He's got he's got a, a kid who reminds me of when uh, when we were under Coleman, like a kid who's kind of pitched into an impossible task and not surprisingly finding it difficult. And and then yeah, we don't have a, anyone in the centre of midfield who can do what Evans does. It's it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. And I, I think, again, this has been said before, but I think the fact that even Mowbray is now being fairly outspoken about the gaps in the squad, when, let's be honest, for want of a better, better phrase, he's a bit of a yes man, um, I think that speaks volumes. Or is he? We'll come on to that. Is he on a collision course now? Well... He's... He's opening up, isn't he? But I will, we'll come right. on to that because I want to talk about that. As a, yeah, I feel like, well, there's, lo- there's lo- even loads of points you can make on that, isn't there? So it feels like that part of the podcast is going to be longer than the football bit. But the <laughs> thing we'll, is, it's we'll like, wrap we'll, it up, get so accused, we'll try and do a quick summary. You know, the accusation, you know, there'll be accusations leveled that it's, it, this is reaction, it's reactionary comments based on one bad result. But to be fair, I think there's a lot of people who have been saying, you know, this is, we've, we've kind of brought this on ourselves. And you know, I know Eleanor said it on the reaction, but it, and she's she's correct. It, it it's been coming now. Maybe not in the. I I think don't think maybe expected it to collapse as, like it did on Saturday. Um, but it has been, it has been coming. Like because we, because there's no way, as we know and we've seen in the past, that a group of young players can sustain, you know, forty six games a season, without without some level of assistance and we had this with Lee Johnson where the players ended up being running to the ground to the point where Dan Neal didn't really play Callum Doyle who was at Coventry now and on you know didn't play just removed completely from the squad sent sent on holiday basically for two weeks because he was so burnt out um to me we we're not we absolutely haven't learned from that experience and we're doing it again, and you know the the result on Saturday is a culmination of a variety of issues. Like you say, you know, on the day players can play badly, which which happened in too many departments at the weekend, um, and then technically we got it wrong. We were out of thought. Um, their players played probably, you know. They must, they mustn't play like that every week as individuals because if they did, then they wouldn't be wherever they are in the league, seventeenth or whatever. But they're only six points behind us now, so do you know what I mean? It's it, that's how tight the league is. Um, and you look at the next five games we've got and think, well, you can very quickly slip down the table if you're not careful. And our record against the top half isn't isn't great, is it? So. Um, but I mean, the, the game itself, we just, I think we're, we're not had a collapse it, like it that. Turns, in a it, I, think, we? I think it's, t- it's turned on the, on the incident for the, for the first goal, hasn't it? Um, again, I mentioned in the group chat, I haven't seen it widely discussed, but for me, it's penalty again. For the reason that we discussed with Phil Smith relating to the yeah, Circan incident exactly. of the week, yeah. I don't up, understand. Yeah. I don't understand why nobody appeals for these things. I don't understand why it's just accepted that a goalkeeper, after somebody has won the ball in a fifty-fifty, can then foul the player and it's fine. If it was a, a, a tackle on the ground and whoever was it, Hume who got the header, I can't remember. Whoever got the header, if, if they touch, if it was on the deck and they touched it past the def- the keeper or the defender and they've slid in and wiped you out, it's a penalty. So for me, straight away, it's a penalty. Um, that's not given. Then he gives the, the the ball back to them. The lad who's I don't know if the lad was ushered back on. He was, before, but before the free kick's taken. Ah, uh, it was so. This is one of the reasons I went back and watched it because there was that much anger in it. I think the most valid argument people have got isn't the one that people were making. I think it's the one you've just read. I think it's arguably a penalty. I actually think if you look at that, he ushers him straight back on, which some people might say, oh, you meant to wait or whatever. But it is after the ball's been dropped, he has him back on. And to be fair, we didn't have the ball 
when when he stopped play, they cleared it, and then their lad beat damn near to the header pretty much bang on the minute he stops play. Now you you could probably say you shouldn't have given the ball back to the, to the goalkeeper. It should be a drop goal, drop ball in midfield. But to be honest, I think the the worst decision of the lot was actually the penalty one. I actually don't think the rest of it is as bad as we all thought yeah. on Saturday. But the but the problem is like it's. Yeah, okay, look, like the referee wasn't great anyway. I think we all agree on that. I think but... the fact he stopped the game in the first place or was the first thing that got people's backs up because, well, I mean, you know, that's, you, that's you, you, can never never, prove, you can never prove whether he, that lad was actually injured or not, but it seemed to me like he just flung himself to a hole, a hole in his head to get the game did, stopped. But that's... But... It's, I, but you can't I, I prove it. I was going to say you know, the referee. That's that's on them, really, isn't it? The referee can't because if if he is seriously injured and the referee doesn't stop it, you know, like what what happens then? I think that the thing is, they get the ball back with the goalkeeper, and and we just stop completely. Like, it, fair enough, people complained about the lag getting waved on early. That didn't mean we had to just sit to an hour and no. and just. I mean, you watch like. Two or three of their players run past ours by the by the time the ball's in the like we said, Pritchard is in a weird position anyway. So they're straight away in behind. And I just I, that obviously didn't help. I mean, let, t- to be honest, Gareth, I think the turning point was the second goal. And I mean, unfortunately, it was it was yeah. Dan Neal again. Let's fair. be honest. Yeah, let's be honest. Like I'm one of his biggest supporters. And like if you're looking for if you're looking for excuses, you could say, like, why is he so why is he so isolated? But you know, like, it, it, there's there isn't an excuse. Like, this has happened so many times. I think Eleanor again said it on the reaction, but this has happened so many times. Just get rid, just just get rid of the ball. Like, what are you what are you playing at? And yeah, and it just crumbled from there, really, didn't it? I mean, even when we pulled one back, I never felt like there was anything going to. I know that's easy to see in hindsight, but I did not feel. Like there was a miraculous recovery. And, on, on and despite cards. us generally having a decent season, I've just said there we've never seen a collapse like this at the stadium of life for a while. Actually, you know, when you when you look back at the Burnley and the West Brom games, it, it had a similar feel as when as soon as they scored a second, you just thought we know what's happening here. Okay. So there's definitely a fragility there, isn't there? A frailty there. Um, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the the last two goals as well. I mean, they. I mean, he shouldn't be. He's not. He's not exactly a powerhouse, is he? Do I girl? The fourth goal. The fourth goal. Shocking. Like I say, I, I again watched it back. Don't know why, but it's a free header, and then there's a free attempt on goal, and then he's free for the. So there's three in the space of five seconds without a challenge on the ball, and it's just. I don't know. I was. I think. I, I I know what you mean, Stephen. Like, but I I do think at least with Burnley, Burnley to me, I mean to everyone, best team in the league. They they beat us with quality. They came out, blew us away with a bit of quality. West Brom, a little bit the same, you know, like just one of them. Whereas Saturday, I mean, don't get us wrong, he set them up perfectly on that, but the the. The goals, it, it wasn't like we said at the start. It wasn't like you're looking and thinking, oh, that's a bit of quality. Like all of them were avoidable. All of them had pretty glaring errors in it. I think it's it, it, it's really hard to say um, how bad it is because you don't know what the reaction is going to be. Well, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll read out we, we read out some social interaction that we have. Um, some some opinions of of our listeners, and then we'll uh, and then we'll move on to the second part where we'll just talk about the wider picture. I think. Um, so we basically, you know, asked us people if expectations have changed now and whether it was expected or whether you're disappointed. Um, Smudger said before the start of the season, I'd be more than happy staying up and getting 15 wins, 15 draws, 16 defeats on track to do that. We've been poor for a few weeks now. Uh, Joe Bromley, it's okay. I would have snapped your hands off of this position in August, but it feels like a missed opportunity given where we could be with a striker. Slightly concerned our season could totally go off the rails, which will put Mowbray under pressure. Uh, Anthony Richardson, expectations changed when we lost um, Sims and Stewart. We demonstrated less than one point per game earlier in the season. Unrealistic to think we would do better now. 60 points more realistic. Um, Time to bench Ahmad and Joffe and start developing the contract of players. 
Um, we have Tim. So the club's action revealed its intention in January. Did not want to make a push for the playoffs. Hence, we didn't buy a striker. Only brought a loan in. Big summer ahead now. And hopefully, someone is crunching that data to help us find two strikers. Tom Wilcock, January window signaled it would be tough to make the playoffs. More concerned with the way we capsized after, um, after I'm not sure what he says, uh, in front of a big crowd. Um, Stephen Scott had the feeling this season might fizzle out after being left short up front. Would like your opinions on the digital season. Well, we'll, we'll come to that, I think, in the second half because a few people have asked us about that. The digital season ticket. Uh, Jarvis Rinner, yes, forget the playoffs. The club were happy with their lot at the end of January when they wouldn't pull the trigger on another striker. It's a bit of a theme here, isn't it? Um, despite knowing we'd always go the remainder of a season with only Gail Hart, a 20-year-old kid. Matthew Keelan, the intentions were clear in January when they opted not to bring in a striker. This is just, I, I'm just reading the same tweet out over and over again. I was going to say, you're just changing the name here. <laughs> yeah. um, still going to be a largely positive season, providing we don't lose the next 11 games. You're not even going to read this out, are you? Yes, I am, Matt. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's the same. It's the same. So John Watson, finally, because it, I, I would just be just repeating myself over and over again. Thanks to everybody who did interact. We've got good response from it. Um, John Watson, finally. I get the youth idea with the model and he's trademarked that. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. But how are we meant to bring in these players and compete without experienced players to help guide them? Are we intending to be a mid-table feeder club? Someone once said you cannot win anything with kids, uh, but rather famously that bunch of kids did go and win something, actually. Um, yeah, so, you know, that's the opinion of our listeners. And um, going out this first part here, uh, you can now listen to some more opinions of people uh, we caught up with after the match. <laughs> I'm Dom Aberdeen. Where do you start with someone like that? Just shipping five isn't ideal at home. Former manager who walked out on you. It's not what you want in your sandwiches, but I think when you think of where we used to be, you've got to, you've really got to scrape for positives in this because there's just there's nothing to take from this. Yes, we scored, but like, come on, absolute absolute shambles of a game. But you know, we just we've got to keep going. Hey there, I'm Simon. I travel every week from Derbyshire. You know, this was going to happen one day, wasn't it? But, hey, I still enjoy coming up and enjoying the match. And I'll keep coming, all right? I'm, I'm pleased uh, Neil got a few boos today. And I think uh, Mowbray's the man, he'll keep us going. We're all right, man. Hello, my name's Alfie Ostwick. And uh, overall, I think the game was poor. We didn't play well at all. And uh, the second half we came out, just fell, really. We were missing a striker, which is... Which can't seem to get forward. Well, can't seem to finish our, our chances. Hi, my name's Alan Craigo, lifelong supporter. Um, that second half was really hard to swallow. We could uh, capitulated it. First half, I thought we were hard done by. Um, referee was awful first half, but second half, our defensive frailty showed up and the young team fell apart. Hard to take, I must have a few pints now and drown me sorrows. Hello, my name's Charlie Anderson. I'm being a lifelong supporter. I think the first half was alright. They got a lucky goal. I don't think I should have counted person. Uh, but the second half, our defence fell apart, fell apart and it was honestly horrible to watch. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. (laughs) 
welcome back to the Wise Men Say podcast. Right, so let's have a moan now, because that's what the listeners want. Um, we don't need to go on about, like, you know, the club's intentions in January. Our, our listeners have just done that for us in that first part, because I think we're all on the same page, or most people are on the same page now. I want to flag up what you said there about Tony Mowbray, Chris. Is he on a collision course with the ball? Because he's, he, it seems like he's done with pretending that the lack of experience isn't an issue anymore. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because he he, he's done that. And then I saw quotes this morning to the effect of, well, I think the exact, I'll tell you what, I'm going to read it out lest I misquote someone. Where we are. I'm guessing this was after the game, but I I, I only saw it um, this morning. So if if somebody had seen it before now, sorry. But basically said there there isn't, there aren't expectations at this club, so we shouldn't be sitting thinking we are dropping away from the playoff positions. Any team up from League One should be wanting to solidify. And I think in the same piece, which I think was in the Northern Echo, he basically said something to the effect of the hard work this season is either done or nearly done. I can't remember the exact word. And so, I don't know when exactly he said that. I don't know whether he's had a little bit more time to reflect. Um but there's a bit of a contradiction there, really, because to me, he wouldn't be frustrated at a lack of options if if he didn't expect to do a bit better. And I, I know, like, obviously, he don't want to lose five one, but like I said, uh, I think and I don't mean this nastily, but he is a bit of a yes man. Like, I think there's a reason he was hired because he's he's certainly willing to work under the parameters that they've set out for him. But yeah, like you say, I mean, if if there's even an inkling that he's not all that happy, I mean, I mean, I, I don't see how anybody, any manager, could be happy with the kind of lack of striking options. Let's be honest, I I have little doubt that the vast majority of managers who have arguments with their bosses around transfers, it's probably over a, a striker. Everybody wants a striker, so the fact we've only got one, and he's a kid from Leeds thrown at the deep end, like of course he's not going to be happy and. I don't know. I, I don't. Truthfully, I don't think he is on a collision course. I think he he's the sort who'll pull it back and toe the line, um, maybe say things in the heat of the moment. And and like I say, I don't know the timing of when he said these things, but I have no doubt he knew what he was getting himself in. Maybe not with the complete lack of striking options, but the overarching plan. Um, I mean, to me, that yeah, we won't rehash January, but. We signed players in positions that we didn't. If if the intention was to have a goal this season, we didn't need them. Um, but we focused resource there instead of where where we all think we did need. So if he wasn't complaining, then you know, I don't know. I think I, I think he he's on board. But let's see. I mean, if if I'm not if so sure does... anymore. Like I don't I don't know. I, I think I disagree, he, Stephen. I think he is. Yeah. I think he is fully on board. I don't. I don't think he ever took the sudden. Like you said, there's no expectation at the club. I don't think he's taking a job there. Going, well, my job is to get this team consolidated, then promoted. It, I said it like, and again, just like coming at this with the fact that, given the situation, he's done an excellent job. We've played some really good football, right? So. I'm not slagging him off for that. But ultimately, he is a crash manager. That is what he is in my eyes. He's come. He's been given the job to look after some kids, nurture them, get them to a point where we can then sell them. And that is, that is, the, that is what we are. That is the plan, is to bring people, bring players in at a good age, hopefully to meet the potential. Um, and then we move them on for a profit. And if we if they fail, it doesn't matter because they will hope to develop the players to a point enough players to the point where any any that don't come off um will will you know the losses will be absorbed. Um the promotion if if it was to happen would be at the moment a you know a byproduct of it. Not rather yeah. than a, a goal or an ambition. Um, They're I mean, in for shock if they think the fan base is going to. Well, this is it. I think. I think. That. I said. I mean, I was talking to someone on Twitter about it the other day, and I said, "Look, you know, we, we get spoken to in business terms, right, all the time." Um, so my my question would 
would be, well, say we've got a five-year plan, five-year business plan based on this model, at which, which year, this is the answer I want because I want people to be accountable because if I want to know at which year we're expecting to adjust to attempt to be promoted because in the first year they can get away with it and say, well, you know, oh, well, we've done much better than we expected. In year two, year three, if we're in the same position, and are we going to do the same again then? Two, or are we max, str- two max. Yeah, the, but I'm the, saying, yeah, 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 but I'm saying, well, I want to hear, I want to hear from them when they ex- when they want when they're expecting to challenge for promotion. Because to me, it's very strange to get into a position where you you could if and then you haven't been agile in your model and gone, oh well, we're ahead now. Yeah, let's let's do this now. Well, but that because it's like you're going well. You're so hell bent on a cheat on doing whatever you're doing. Oh well, we're ahead of the game, but we're not going to like bring the plans forward. It's that. That's what I want. I want an answer on that, so that can be held to account and there can be justification. Because you know, in there's no. I know Matthew said it. You know, hundreds of times. There's no guarantee that just because you finish. Um, 10th this season it means you're going to finish 8th next season and then 6th the next season there's no guarantees that's not how it works well that point that you raised there Gareth as well about like if we're ahead of the plan and do we do we not adjust like I think that's a really good point and continuing the theme of me actually doing some research before this part I had a look at um, some of the minutes from the Red and White Army meeting before January I think it was in November and basically, uh, Speakman in there said something along the lines of, look, we've we've got a plan for, I think he said, like the next three years or something. And essentially, they talked, he talked about how they had a budget for transfers over X amount of windows and that. And to me, it was, but he, and he talked about how if you, along the lines of if if you use it now, maybe you can't use as much in the future. But to me, like we're sat in a good position in January in what I think most people will agree is a weaker league than we expected it to be. Is it not a bit of a false economy to assume that we're definitely going to be better next season or that the league's not going to be tougher? Like, look, I could be completely wrong on that. We might be better next season. The league might be even worse next season. But to me, when you sat in that position and we were all surprised to be in that position, you don't then choke it off. You don't kind of go, you know what, we're happy with our lot here. Not least because momentum's a big thing. Like I keep seeing, I keep seeing this stack. People who defend it keep saying, well, nobody who has gone straight up from League One through the Premier League, has stayed up beyond a season. And unfortunately, I don't know who started that, but it's complete bollocks because Southampton, bottom three or not at the minute, they're currently in the 10th consecutive season after going up two years in a row. So so that's not really a defence. And even if it were a defence, I mean, it, it just strikes me as really odd that you would even want to entertain staying in this division for a long time, not least because... At the best of times, every club in the division loses a fortune. Like they're not going to get like we had forty three thousand people there on Saturday. You're not going to get fans flocking in the droves for mid table championship being the yep. aspiration. Now, because I, I, I saw someone saying you can't expect to get promoted next season. I don't expect to get promoted, but I expect them to give it a go. I expect that to be their goal. Like if this is people's if. Yeah, I, I agree. Sorry for coming. I didn't mean to do that, Chris. Um, I just think, yeah, that's fine. Sunderland are the biggest club in the division still. <laughs> like, let's not lose sight of that ever. That you know, this League yeah. One stuff—that's been the abnormality in our history. You know, that wasn't normal. That that was that was abnormal. So, I was having this conversation with somebody, and I can't remember what they said. They were saying, "Well, how could you definitively say Sunderland are the biggest club in the division?" And I says, "Well." You know, that is subjective, obviously. Um, but if you sat and listed the things that you thought quantified a, a big club in this division, I would suggest someone would probably come out on top of all of those things in terms of crowd, history, attendances, uh, um, amount of time spent in the top division, stuff that's been won. This will be that this, this year, 
So next year, because well, yeah. you know, it's highly unlikely we'll get promoted, it'll be seven years out of the top flight, which will be the longest period of time we've ever spent out of the top flight. Six years is the, the longest time we've ever spent out of the top flight in our history. So I would yeah. say this is, we live in, we, we, we're living and supporting the team through a complete anomaly in our history. And what we want to make sure is that this doesn't become a normality. It has to be an anomaly um, because, as, as I mean, Chris has mentioned and, you know, you've Im- implied, Stephen, that people will not continue to turn up and, and clap along because, oh, well, you know, I'm really pleased. I really enjoyed the match today. And we lost, um, but one of the players we signed for £500,000 two years ago, uh, we're going to sell him tomorrow for £11 million. Oh, I really enjoyed that. I'm sorry, but I, it, it that isn't what people go to the match for. People go to the match to see a team play well, compete, which we have done, but also, you know, they want you. You need to play well and compete with a purpose. And if that purpose is not to progress on the pitch, rather than rather to, you know, develop and sell players. I mean, the, the idea of Sunderland becoming a selling like primary, the primary target of Sunderland to be a selling club is if 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 they came out and said that then they would have zero support in my opinion um but you know I'm I'm reading between you some might say I'm reading between between the lines and making an assumption that's fine but I think I think the evidence that we've seen this year um does suggest that's not far from the truth because you know we are that's that it feels like that's what we're doing it's the reason why we haven't we didn't you know give Ross Stewart the contract that he deserves and continue to to kind of haggle on that um you know it's the reason why we don't so I've said this before it's the reason we don't sign strikers because they're too expensive and and because we wouldn't the the the, the gamble on that could do, could could lopside it because we're saying if, if that striker fails, then how much you could the other players who were successful, how much you're gonna to have to sell them for to to make up that <clears throat> that margin you've lost when you've when you're speculating to accumulate on these players. I mean, I was saying to you guys on Saturday, you look at uh, Tyrese Campbell, right? 23 year old. I thought he was absolutely outstanding, exactly the kind of player we should be kind of looking at and going, right, well, if we're still in the championship championship next year, and he is. And right, we'll spend some money on him because we've got to go beyond the model. Because you kind of look at him and go, he's probably a a gamble worth worth taking, given the attributes and skill and quality that he clearly has. And you probably could make some money on him, but you might you, you're probably going to get a justified justified return out of him on the money you spend. Um, like some people might go, well, why would we sign him? But it's like, well. We are, but well, why don't we flex a bit and go? I've said this before. Well, with Sunderland, like why we should be able to like, like no, like no disrespect to Stoke, we should be able to like at least go. We're going to try and buy a player from Stoke, and it not be a laughable thing. Do you, do well, you know exactly. what I mean? Well, no, well, I said I said this to someone the other day, but I think because one of the defenses that you hear and look, I wrote about it last weekend. I said like at the start of the season, the expectation from all of us was stay up. We look like we're going to achieve that with relative ease. Expectations of the fans have shifted. Doesn't seem like they have within the club for this season. Can you complain too much this season? Probably not because look, if we achieve the, the, the original goal, then fair enough. But I think because people will say, well, like the average finishing position of a team coming up from league one's 18th or whatever. But I think that, ignores exactly what you two just talked about there. I mean, like, like the size of the club. And for an example of that, can you imagine Rotherham or Wigan signing Patrick Roberts? Can you imagine them signing Jack Clark? Can you imagine them signing and various players that we might, I mean, like to me, you would not, you would be, you would be stunned if Rotherham in particular had bought and they went up above us. They they went up automatically. So it's not it I don't think you, we should be judging ourselves on what League One teams have done in the no. past. Um which again, like I say, I'm not gonna complain 
too much if <laughs> if we only meet what was deemed the, the minimum goal this season. But I think the concern for me really and is that we get we get this spiel about it being like a sustainable plan and and we need to build it up and that. But I don't know that the actions follow it. Like look like on the pitch, the recruitment by and large, with a few glaring gaps, the vast majority of the players they have actually signed, so if we get away from the striker issue, the vast majority of the players they have actually signed have, have been good. They're all very good technical footballers. You can understand why they've signed them. Whether that's been the best for the squad at the time, certainly in January, I don't know. But I think it's hard to criticise them for that. But off the pitch, like there was a thing that came out the other week, and I have no doubt that I was one of the only <laughs> the only people who bothered to look at it because I'm a saddle like this, but it, it talked about how basically a club's commercial income is often what sets it apart. Like you look at the big clubs in, in the Premier League, like the Premier League is really one of the divisions where they most equitably spit the TV money. So it's commercial income that sets the big clubs apart. If you look at Leeds when they were in this division, they used to make a fortune in commercial income, which obviously helped them to get promoted. Now look at our look at the commercial operations at the club since the club was taken over, and they're in absolute shambles. It's we've talked about this before, but it's probably worse than it was under the last lot, which is seeing something. So I don't understand how that ties in with this aim of being a sustainable club and the club, the club spending what it earns and that because we're straight away we're limiting how much the club can earn, and I think. Again, and we could go on for hours about this, but some of the deals they've done for these players, like me and, me and Craig have talked about before, these deals, we don't know the ins and outs of them, but it sounds like quite a lot of them, when we do come to sell these players, we've got to hand over a big chunk of money to the team we've signed them from, which limits you again. Like I'm not, look, I'm not completely criticising that, that's the way the world is, but... To me, this idea that it's like an all sing and all dancing thing, I, I, I just don't buy it yet. And I, I do think it's too early to judge it in its entirety, but I think this summer will be massively instructive because of what we just talked about. I think if this summer they don't appear to be building a team that's ready for promotion immediately, I think that'll speak volumes. Mm-hmm. And and I think, again, like we just said, like people aren't going to, people won't put up with it. Who, who wants to come and see it? Like, I mean, the gates that they've had since COVID have been pretty remarkable, but there's a re- there's a reason for that. Like, the, don't get us wrong, the football's been exciting this year, but people aren't going to be excited by being told that the, the aim is mid-table or consolidation in this division. Well, there isn't gonna... any expectation of anything. So what is that? I mean, to me, that is a hor- that's a oh, horrifying exactly. thing to hear as, as, a, as a fan because, yeah, I don't, like, my expectation this season was just... You know, hopefully stay up and kick on. We've done so well, so that is and that is credit to the the recruitment and and the manager um, <clears throat> to a point. But again, it's like when the purpose of signing those players isn't isn't to progress, then what what I've, what I'm at to get excited about in that in like to go to the match and enjoy the enjoy the football because we play some nice football, scored some brilliant goals and we've got some really nice footballers. Um, yeah, that's that's great. But like, um, I could watch the Premier League at home on a Saturday and see some the two teams who I don't care about who've got better players than us. If that's what I'm, if that's what I'm going for, I might as well just ground hop and go and watch different teams who've got, you know, play nice football and have like internationals and all this kind of thing. If 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 the if do you know what I mean? It's like what if that's what I'm going for? Then then what's what's the, what what's the point? Like yeah. if and there's going to no... be pressure on some of these players to to, to improve next year as well. Because I was like looking well, exactly. at all the individual players as well, and I'm like, like again, you know, not not, not criticising or being revisionist or anything like that. But it's like you know, the two main ones who have kicked on Clark and Roberts. It's not like they were, you know, um found in the depths of some groundbreaking database that's being created. People knew who these guys were. They've gone for big money moves before. So it's some of the lesser ones who are going to have to be the success stories. Um, I mean, Sergeant well, I mean, Ballard are the two. Sergeant Ballard are the two that, 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 that spring to mind where you say, yes, you know, players who really people didn't know who they were and they look like they're on the right sort of 
trajectory. A lot of the other guys haven't started and haven't played much, so there's, there's ultimately there's going to be pressure on them next Obviously season. Twenty is twenty six as well, isn't he? Mm. You know, it's it, he's been really excellent. I mean, he's ex- exceeded my expectations this season, Robert. Um, yes, yeah. He's been really excellent. Um, you know, I think Clark is one of the most exciting players we've had in our books for a, a very long time. Um, I, you know, I know he's like some people's aren't, you know, wouldn't probably agree with me, but I, I think he's got, you know, there's a reason why um, he played for Leeds and then he went, you know, for a lot of money to Tottenham. So, and you can see that, um, and, you know, I, I think it's great, you know, it is enjoyable to watch to watch players like that. Um it's it's what 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 comes next when you know we talk about I know we talk about this with Phil Smith the other week. I know he said oh he, we keep on talking about building on things, but if our if our primary goal is to to churn players for profit then every single one of them has got a price tag on their head. And when the window comes around in the summer or January, if the right offer comes in, they will be sold. Yeah, but, you know. And so, think... and that that is, you know. And then it, then it, then it, like you say, well, supporters going well. Well, what's the point then? I don't, I don't like. There's a you got to get the balance right. I think. I think the frustration as well is like the recruitment team has shown that that they can find good players like Clark, like we say, I don't, I know what you're saying, Stephen, like he, it's not like he was unheard of, but they still managed to, to buy him. And I think pretty much most teams in the league would happily have him. So they did manage to get him and, and they are. And I think, and it just, it just feels a bit like it's all weighted too heavily towards the kind of, the, the kind of, cold business side of it rather than the actual sort of football and ambition side of it. And I, I don't know. I think personally, I struggle with the kind of sustainability narrative when there's two people at the top who, (laughs) who were here over the last few years. And I I think, and this has been extremely cynical about it until we do sell someone for decent money. And then we see it come back into the squad. Yeah. I'll I'll remain cynical because they they haven't done anything. Certainly not in my opinion. They've done nothing to earn our trust. That's that what we keep saying, and, and that's why it's we we were saying it, it seemed obvious that that's you know might have been Ross Stewart might have been the, the start of that. I think they will be desperate for um, that to happen so that they can. But then it's going to be interesting because then that's when the judgment starts because it's how. Does it get reinvest reinvested? They just saw, you know, the history of just getting these things wrong, haven't they? Like it was just remarkable. Allowed themselves to get in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds of debt, and then when they decided yeah. to start, um, decided to start cutting the cloth accordingly, was the wrong time to do that. They should have. Yeah, we've seen the sides that get relegated from the Premier League. The successful ones, the ones who invest all of that money straight back into the squad and try and get yeah. up, or you're in trouble. And it's just. It's just us all over. I mean, the thing, if we'd I reinvested think... that money, then we we probably would never have seen Donald and Methan either. No. Because it'd be not. gone. Because it obviously they needed that to buy the club. So if exactly. that money was gone, then we you know, we wouldn't have we would never have even they wouldn't have darkened our doors. I think I think as well it's I mean it doesn't always work as well. It's, it's worth it, you know. It does it worked for I... Newcastle, it worked for Burnley, a couple of other clubs Stoke tried it and it didn't work. Borough tried it and it didn't work. I think the thing to point out here is because I think this argument that we're making quite often gets mischaracterized and people say, oh, so you want us us to go into hundreds of millions of pounds of debt again? And nobody wants that. Absolutely nobody wants that. But I don't think it's unrealistic to say that when we've got the biggest fan base in the division, when we should be able to have one of the better commercial outlets in the division when we clearly have a pull for players just based on who the club is and the ground that we have and that I don't think it's unreasonable to expect like 
to be at the top end of the division and to be really pushing to get out of it. I think that's why I said I, I called this season a free hit because I think this is the only time in the club's history, really, as far as I can see, that the club's been in the second tier and fans haven't been saying we should be getting promoted this season or we should be aiming to get promoted this season. Surely there hasn't been a time in in the in the past history of the club where that's been the case. So this this is the only free hit they're going to get. And I just, look, this is why I'm loath to criticise just yet because we don't know what's going to happen. You never know, the summer might come around and it might look very different to what January looked like. I just, but I do, you do just worry. And I think when you get results like Saturday and when you go on, the form falls off a cliff like it has, it it's kind of it's frustrating because I know we ended up getting promoted last year, but it took an awfully good manager to come in and and fix that. And a, an incredible run. I mean, Gareth, you used to talk about it all the time, like the points per game that Neil was on. It was ridiculous. And th- this is why I'm, I struggled to have too much ill will towards Alex Neil because if it wasn't for him, we'd still be in League One, and nobody would be praising the recruitment team then. I don't get me, I, I think that's too black and white about it, but the fact that is there's two seasons running now where we look like we've ran kids into the ground and the forms really fall off a cliff around this time of year. And it's just, how many times does that does that happen? Are we going to be here in a year's time seeing the exact same things happen? I, I don't know. But let, let, I, let's I think, not forget, sorry, Chris, I'm just saying, let's not forget that Alex Neil no, had absolutely okay. zero to do with the recruitment in January. Um, and this assembly, and the assembly of the squad that he had inherited um, to go take us from, I think it was, did he was it we fifth when he took over, um, and we dipped, we dipped, and then came back. Um, but the squad he inherited, you know, he, he got the best out of, you know, Clark Roberts, um, people like that, um, Pritchard. Um, you know, he did, Pritchard did pick up a bit, but you know, and then it, obviously we lost. Um, we had to fall. He went, all that kind of stuff going on. Um, you know, I think for the given the situation that he inherited, I don't think, and it took us, you know, it took us uh, quite a long time to appoint that manager who we didn't approach, and he only applied like. Like what? Right at the end of the the period where we're looking for a manager, and then it took us about two days to decide to appoint them or whatever. So, you know, there were people who, there were people who, now won't apparently anyway won't let anyone say even a hint of criticism towards Christian Sweetman that this time a year ago wanted him out. So, it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting the way things change, and and I think. One of the problems is, look, I would like to say that on here we're fairly balanced, don't get too high, don't get too low, but I, I don't know that that's always true with fan bases in general, and I, I think that's that's something that the club is potentially underestimating. Like, like we've said, like pe- people turn, people can turn very quickly, and results like results like Saturday just accelerate that, and I don't know, they, they just there needs to be. In the summer, there needs to be a show of ambition because, like you say, Gareth, the perception, rightly or wrongly, is that the, the plan is the, the primary focus is buy players to sell them, and if we get promoted, that's a nice byproduct. Now that I might be miscarried, I might be misattributing that to them, but that's the perception that you've got. It's a perception I've got. It's just the perception I think for the hat yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> I, need, I think it's a perception a, a lot of people have got. You know, the next time, the next time, you know, you know, I know that you know, Speakman and um, uh, Steve Davison, Dave Jones, did that thing at Pop Rex with um, with uh, the Red and White Army, um, and he's obviously done the, you know, the the official podcasts and stuff like that. Um, but that I think that for me that's the the burning question I've got now is, you know, what, what in which of the plan are we going? If we're in this position, we go right. We bring things forward here and we have a crack. Um, 
that's what I want to know because if I can't get an answer on that, then we don't know how long this approach is going to go on for. If it's if it's if this is it, then I'm not particularly interested in it to be honest. I'd rather have a bash at like spending a load of money on what and seeing what happens because what what's what I don't understand what I why I'm supposed to get excited about like about if if that's what the plan is. It doesn't excite me at all. Like it, it, it frustrates me because you think, "What are you?" It's it we're we're taking an opportunity, and um, you know, it's just so it's just, just so, it's just so linear, bin. isn't it? Like it's the like thinking, it's it's, it's no, this is all we can do. It's the only kind of player we'll buy and stuff. Where we've mentioned some players there have actually made a difference to a team who were a little bit away from the profile. Like yeah, we keep saying it as well. We've we said it all season. Yes, have that as the general template, and it makes sense. Of course, it does. You know that you need to be selling players for more than you buy them for. But you still look at the here and now as well. And in the starting eleven, it's like right, what couple of players or positions do we need to make sure that we're competing to the best we possibly can? And that's the thing that sticks in the throat, isn't it? You don't feel like doing it. You feel like that deliberately holding not, back, which shouldn't be acceptable, really. It just should never be acceptable. It's not fair to the group of players that they've got. It's it's just, you know, they, they're not, you know, you got to look after them. You know, you, you took for them to do the, the to achieve what they could possibly achieve and to be successful. You know, they need that help, you know, and, and I feel as though they've been hung out to dry a bit, really, and, and the manager as well. But again, the manager, I've got slightly less sympathy for the manager because I kind of feel like a little bit like he um, he knew he knows what he's doing here. Like his, that is his job, um, almost to be like a development coach rather than a manager who's looking to get the team promoted. Now, he might come out and say that's a load of rubbish and it's a bit disrespectful for me to say that. And I'm, I think he's done a brilliant... I like I say he's done a brilliant job. Some of the football players have been absolutely fantastic and we've won some I think we've won quite a few games and we've scored some brilliant goals and he will be a big part of that along with the coaches, obviously um Mike Dodds and, and, and Michael Proctor. So and they should be credited for that. But again, it's like that funny thing, isn't it, where you're like, well, we can heap all this praise for all these good things, but if the good things don't actually mean anything or come to anything, then are they good? Yeah. And I think that's a fair point because I think really we all probably agree on on balance this season. If we look at this season now from where we were in the summer, it's probably going to constitute a success. It's probably going to constitute achieving what we aim for, but... The worry is, when does that next phase come along? Because we all we've all said, like promotion next year should be the aim, and the the only reason we're talking about this is because we've got reason to believe, based on the what the people at the club say and based on the actions they've taken, that the club might not agree with that. Like I say, it's hard to be too critical because that's just assuming, but I, I think that's what we're covering here. I th- I think it's a worry that the club's ambition isn't going to match the fan base. And, we, and they might. Like, we're giving the summer and say what happens. Yeah. yeah. We that, could be saying all this and they could be saying, no, no, look, it was always just one year to consolidate. You know, we'll have to say, won't we? We'll, we'll, we'll be, they'll make themselves, they'll make their ambitions pretty clear in the summer, I think. I think the good thing is, and this is not, this is not me giving us far more sway than we have, but just the fan base in general, I think, will make it clear um, what they expect next season. And I think, I think you'll see that towards the end of this season. If if we really do hit a bad, bad, bad run, they they'll be under no illusions that the fans, even if we achieve the goal of staying up, which it looks like we will, the fans aren't too happy that we've allowed it to tail off. So I, I think the good thing is they'll not be able to kind of labour under some sort of misapprehension but whether whether they're in sync with what we all want them, with where we all think they should be I don't know I guess we're going to see we will well we'll probably leave it there because we've went on a lot about it um, I know loads of people ask us about the digital ticket thing I don't know if somebody's got a really quick opinion on that we'll maybe give that to Matt to talk about later in the week um, I just is, it, is it a bit is it, should it would it have been fair to make an optional season one instead of going as hard at it as they have done 
and so, because yeah, I, still, I think I think you know just from from you know the the, the job that I've got and the career that I've got we've noticed a massive shift towards digital in terms of what people prefer now and I do think that if they'd made optional I think probably 70 or 80 percent of the fan base would would have gone for it and I think that would have been enough for the first season you tried it out and then ease it in a little bit more I think that's that's fair um, I mean I was with I was with my mate before the match and his dad doesn't have a smartphone for example and I know the club have put something out today where they try to get round that a little bit and I just think yeah, yeah, I, I think they've got a bit hard with it personally. For season we do one. this though, don't we? That, that, that's been a pattern of, tends to be a pattern of behaviour where we'll go, we're going to do this, and then when they get they kick the kick, like the backlash, they'll go, oh, we'll, um, oh, we'll, we'll not them. Yeah, my question well. was going to be, what was the? I I don't know if either of you know, like, was there like a consultation like with the red and white army on it or not? I'm not really clued up on that i can't remember I saying think, it anywhere if it was yeah i i couldn't but i haven't been paying as close attention as i used to for my own sanity um but um, um if there wasn't that consultation there then you're a bit like come on like let's learn the lessons of the past i th- I, I agree with you Stephen. i think like for me yeah it's better until i get drunk before the match or lose before um but um i think yeah i think going hard at it and I think the thing is as well, like the supporters who this probably negatively impacts are the ones who've been coming for decades and you're a bit like... Can't take them yeah, for granted, can you? you could yeah, use exactly. Because <laughs> and without stereotyping on age, they're the sort who, if they do get pissed off, will just go, all right, I'm going to come back. <laughs> they're the stubborn generation. So, yeah, maybe. Like I say, I, I don't know if the consultation was there. Um, but it does. It seems like they're already starting to backtrack a little bit. I think if you said, like Stephen said, if you said, look, in by season twenty five, twenty six, or twenty six, twenty seven, we're going to be, it's going to be this way. At least it gives, and we're going to, you know, it, it. At least it gives people um, the opportunity to, to to prepare for it. Um, whereas this is just like you've got a month to sort it out. Um, for a lot of people, well, a few people, yeah, and there will be a small percentage of people, um, but you'll hear their stories because this, they'll, they'll, they need to be heard. But I mean, I'm in favour of going towards that anyway. I just think it's it's logical. But at the same time, you've got a you got a support, and I don't really understand if someone's got a plastic season card now, then why that can't just be reactivated for next year. Yeah. They're like, not waste anymore. I mean, it's not because it says, <laughs> oh, we're trying to reduce paper and plastic. Yeah. That's fine. Well, they've already got one, mate. Yeah, so... most people have already got the card already. I know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think um, I think probably the, the reason is it's cheaper for them to do this. It's definitely. So, and that, like, that is the reason why. Um, and that is the generally um, the more, and somebody might go, you know, slugging the club off, or whatever. But generally, the motivating factor for anything the club does administratively is because it is cheaper. And we have seen that across the board, top to bottom. So, and I just think it still would have been cheaper anyway, because, like I say, I think if you do as optional, vast majority of people would have went for it anyway. Yeah. But just, it just didn't, it didn't need to be compulsory. Like they've been a bit short sighted again on that. But we'll leave it there because we're. We've done quite a bit morning, but you know, three defeats in a row will do that to you, including a five-one um, at Against home. Alex Neil as well. Yeah, yeah. I think on Saturday night. Well, it was good. It was poetic for him, wasn't it? Really, in a way to come back and that happen almost be the one of the reasons he he probably went was, you know, for seeing something, you know, a situation occurring where this is where we are today, and he's a person who's. And his team have inflicted that defeat to the point where people are having conversations about it. So, yeah, it's a it, it's a nice bit of symmetry. A nice bit of symmetry there. A bad bit of symmetry. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, nothing nice about it, right? Um, okay. Well, uh, Matt will be back later on in the week um, to look ahead to the weekend. Norwich, isn't it? Sunday. So uh, he'll be back to to do that. And um, goes without saying, but as always. Where, 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 where were you doing? What go about on. the promoting go on the, go on the live go on show, Stephen? Yeah. On. <laughs> on this on <laughs> garbage on the twenty seventh of April, we'll be at the Customs House in South Shields 
for um, Wise Men Say presents 1973 A Journey to Glory with um, Sunderland 1973 FA Cup winner Vic Hallam. Um, tickets are still available, £12.15. You can buy them from the Customs House website in, in person at the box office or online uh, if you're that way inclined. Um, tickets are sold really well, so we're really just sort of pleased and excited uh, to do it. Um, so if you look on the social media, our social media, our website, wisemensay.co.uk, um, you'll be able to find links on there to buy the tickets. Um, also, if you're on wisemensay.co.uk, why don't you stick around and read some of the excellent um, written pieces that our team produce on a weekly basis. Um, there's all sorts on there from Tom's, Tom Walsh's Kansas Megabus, something a bit more humorous, and, and Stevens um, played for both. Right through to Chris's and Graham's more grown up story. Yeah, grown up uh, pieces there. So yeah, get yourself hey, over think, there. I think Richard's doing a grown up piece. Is he? Week. Is he really? He asked me for some stats today, oh, so that that brightened my Monday. <laughs> right there, you go. Yeah, do all of those. Do yeah. all of those things. Do all of those things. That's an order. Um, and as always. Thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.